Welcome to Passion Life Church. Welcome to church this morning, Passion Life. Today we conclude this amazing series on the Lord's Prayer. And what a great series. You know, I don't know if it's had the impact that it's had on you, that it's had on me. This last couple of weeks, I just started saying the Lord's Prayer. It just came out of my heart. And uh, on the way to school every morning, we're, we're saying it with my son. It's such a powerful, powerful prayer. And, you know, many people don't even know what it means. Many times we recite it just as this kind of standalone prayer. And yet, that's really not what Jesus wanted that to be. The Lord's Prayer is actually, if you read it in context, it's a part of the Sermon on the Mount, which was one of the greatest sermons that we know uh, that I would say Jesus is really popular for. You know, um, one commentator said the Sermon on the Mount is the constitution of the kingdom of heaven. When you read the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus talks about traits for us as kingdom citizens, as child of God. And let me just remind us what he said in Sermon on the Mount. He said that he wants us to be peacemakers. He said that he wants us to be salt and light. He said that for us as children of God, we're supposed to hunger and thirst after righteousness. And all of these things he goes through. And then one of the things that he says is that he wants you and I to have a prayer life. And if you read in Luke, Luke, the disciples actually came to him and said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. How many of you think Jesus knew how to pray? He knew how to pray. And so my question would be, if we knew and understand how Jesus prayed, maybe we would pray more often. And so as we're going through this, we're looking at what Jesus said. And Jesus said to pray this. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 is where we find the Lord's Prayer. Can we just read this all together? It's up on the screen. Let's read it together. Ready? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. So we talked about in part one how Jesus said, our father He didn't just say, my father, your father. He said, our father. Jesus made this statement that he wants his father to be your father. That we have a father. I don't know your background, but I can tell you this. Today, you are not fatherless because of God. You have a God, a father who loves you and cares about you, never leaves you and forsake you. And Jesus not only came to die on the cross and forgive us of our sins, he came to show us the father, the father. And if you're like me, I've never met my father. I don't know what he looks like. Uh, I just never have, I've never even seen a picture of him. So I grew up with some challenges. But when I found out that God wanted to be my father, that he's perfect and he loves me, and Jesus said, hey, look, I'm not going to be stingy about my father. I want my father to be your father. Whew, man, that's so good. That's not a religious thing. That's a relationship thing. And Jesus said, when we pray, have that attitude. When you get up in the morning, father, dad, the word in, in uh I think it's a, uh, Ara- Aramaic is, is actually Abba Father is dad. 
daddy, you're my father, who, no matter where you are. And so we dived in and we talked about that. And we talked about God's kingdom that we pray thy kingdom come. We have a father who's also a king and has a kingdom. It's an interesting dynamic. You know, it's kind of like my son. I think he's trying to figure out he's, my son. He looks at me, he's like, you're dad, but you're also pastor. And so your pastor and your dad. So it's kind of a weird kind of thing for him. He's learning how to, but it's like our God, like he's daddy, but he's the I mean, he's the owner of this vast kingdom, the kingdom of God. And so he says, thy kingdom come. And then God sent his son to pay a price so you and I could be a part of that kingdom. So you and I are a part of that kingdom. And Jesus said that we're supposed to pray, thy kingdom come. Now, a lot of people think that when we say kingdom come, that God's kingdom is over there and we're over here. But actually in the Greek, the New Testament was written in the Greek. You know what the word come means? It means journey. It means on the journey, when you wake up in the morning and you go to work, the kingdom comes with you on that journey. So not only are you a part of the kingdom, the kingdom is in you. You are in the kingdom and God's kingdom is in you. And wherever you go, the kingdom of God goes. Man, that's a pretty amazing statement. And then he says, give us this day our daily bread. We talked about how that is supply. He says, give us this day our daily bread. In other words, there's bread for today. There's resources for today. But we get in trouble when we want tomorrow's bread today. We start worrying about tomorrow. Well, what's gonna, tomorrow going to hold? Well, guess what? There's bread for tomorrow. Because Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread. So you don't have to worry about tomorrow. Well, I hate Mondays. Well, guess what? It's not Monday. It's Sunday. And enjoy Sunday, and then you'll have a great Monday. I always like to say, you want to have a great Monday? Come to Passion Life Church on Sunday. Come on, somebody. Right? But today's today. Let's, let's have a good time. Can we enjoy the journey today? Can we have some fun today? Or are we always just, we're bound by this week. No, Jesus said, today, there's enough bread for today. There's enough resource for today in your life. And we're supposed to pray that today. Lord, you are my resource. You are my provider. Give us this day our daily bread. And that's really what the Lord's prayer is. Just as we work on our anger, just as we work on being more merciful, he wants us to take this and make it a daily thing and in our life. And then we talked about last week, just want to give everybody just a little bit of a context because some of us have been in and out and, 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 I, and I understand that, but I just want you to be on the same page. Last week we talked about forgiveness and I'm supposed to forgive because I have been forgiven. God has forgiven me so I can forgive. See, people that don't know and understand that they've been forgiven have a problem forgiving others. And Jesus says that I'm supposed to forgive as I've been forgiven. So I can forgive you of your trespasses because God has forgiven me of my trespasses. And I, I encouraged you last week, if you have a hard time forgiving, just take a moment and remember how much God has forgiven you. Just remember, you're not Snow White either. Some ladies are really upset at me right now because they really thought they were. All of us have made a mistake. All of us have. And so we're forgiven today. And it's just a reminder that we're forgiven. And today we conclude with verse 13. This is good. Verse 13 says, And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. One translation says deliver us from evil. And then the other one says deliver us from the evil one. Both together. I think today is going to help bring some clarity 
to your lives. I really do. There's a lot of bad understanding when it comes to temptation and evil. And it's sad to me that people actually believe that God is doing evil and people actually believe that God is tempting them. It's, it's sad to me. And no wonder why so many people are confused. But Jesus could not be more clear when he says this. Pray. Remember, this is the Lord's prayer. This is Jesus praying. He says, we are to pray what? Do not, do not, do not, por favor, no, do not lead us into temptation and deliver us from evil. Do you know that people actually think that God and the devil are working together? So why would God and Jesus tell you that, to pray that you be delivered from evil, but then yet God on the back end is using evil? People actually think that God wants to tempt them and do evil to them to make them better people. I've heard that. Well, you know what? That's in direct conflict to what Jesus said to pray. My church family, the devil and God are not working together. The devil is evil and God is good. And it's very, very simple. So Jesus is saying to us today, number one, it is not your father that is leading you into temptation. It's not your father. Now, the word lead means to bring. In the Greek text, it means to bring into a state or condition. So God is not leading you into temptation. You know, a lot of times when I'm talking to people about the Bible, I always like to use this scenario, a father and, it's, and their child. The Bible says, our Father, which art in heaven. Can I ask you a question today? Do you tempt your children? Would you tempt your own kid? Well, I'm going to leave this on the kitchen table. I'm going to see what he does. Well, I mean, would you tempt your son with evil? Just live a little bit of heroin, just a little bit on the, on the table, and see what they do. See if they go after it. What? But you know what's sad? People think that about God. They think that he's the one that's leading them to temptation. Let's define the word temptation. In the Greek, the word temptation means this. It means a trial, a test, something that causes us to fall, adversity, affliction, and sorrow. People actually believe that it's God that he's putting his foot out to make you fall. You know, the Bible says in temptation, and this is what I want to encourage you today, because no matter what you're going through in your life today, it's not your father that's leading you to temptation. You may have some sorrow in your life. It's not your father that's leading you to sorrow. Can I hear a better amen than that? It's not. So this is what Jesus did not say that we're supposed to pray. Lord, pray, Jesus, lead me to temptation and lead me to evil so I can grow. Is that what Jesus said? He didn't say that. He actually said that I'm supposed to get up every day and say, Lord, lead me not into temptation and deliver me from the evil one. And I just want to tell you that God can deliver you and will deliver you from the evil one. And this is why I think people are so discouraged. They don't know what to do. They don't know if God is trying to tempt them. They don't know if God is trying to use evil against them. Man, and so in their Christianity, they're like, well, I love God, but I never know what he's trying to do. And maybe I can, I can help us a little bit. You know, the Bible says that we're supposed to submit to God in James chapter 4, 7 and resist the devil. Submit 
submit to God and resist the devil. Well, if God is using the devil, how am I supposed to resist the devil? And if, if God was truly using the devil, how am I supposed to know when I'm supposed to resist or submit? Does the devil show up and go, it's me, the devil. And here I have a card today for you. Today, it's me and it's evil. And then another day, hey, it's me. Here's my card. God's using me today to make you better. How are we supposed to know? How are we supposed to know? And James, I think, outlines it pretty clear. He says, therefore, submit to God and resist the devil, and he will flee from you. My church family, evil is evil, and good is good. Psalms 119, verse 68 says this, you are good, and you doeth good. You are good, and you doeth good. And so here's what the enemy tries to do. The devil tries to come in our lives, and he tries to muddy the water. He tries to make you think that God is doing things to you. You know, Jesus had a brother named James. And if you turn over in your Bible to James chapter 1, verse 13, James actually starts to clarify about temptations. Now, could you imagine being Jesus' brother? I could not imagine. James must have been frustrated all the time. Can you imagine when they were little that Mary looks at the boys and says, who did it? Jesus is like, James did it. James is like, Jesus, why you always got to tell the truth, man? <sighs> so frustrating. I would never want to be Jesus. Could you imagine living up to Jesus <laughs> as your brother? But James in James chapter 1, verse 13, he clarifies, and this is what he says. Listen, he says, let no man say, let no one say when the, he is tempted. In the Greek, that word means tried or tested. Listen, let no one say when he is tempted that I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each, okay, so where does this temptation come from? It can come from the enemy, but listen, James is going to help describe this, verse 14. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when fully grown, brings death. Now, some of you may, when I'm reading that, think about the context of the Bible. You think, well, you know, Pastor Phil, when I read the Bible in the Old Testament, God tested people. He did. And you know what the good news is? Is you and I are under a different covenant now. You and I are under a new covenant. We are not under the old covenant. Did anybody today bring a lamb with you to sacrifice for your sins? Nobody did today. You know why? Because in your understanding, you know that Jesus was the spotless lamb. And because of what he did, we don't have to bring a lamb. He was our, took our place. I'm just praying and just help me and, and just believe with me. I'm praying that in this new year, I'm going to do a whole series on the new covenant because we don't understand that. People are talking about the Old Testament. Pastor Phil, do you believe the Old Testament? Absolutely. I believe all of this is inspired. But ladies and gentlemen, when Jesus died, there was a new covenant cut. Listen, Jesus said, do you remember with the disciples when they were taking communion? He said, this is the new covenant in my blood. 
It's a new covenant. Thank God you and I are living under a new covenant. And under this new covenant, James says this. James says, let no one say. You know what in the Greek it means? No one. Let no one say when he is tempted, he is tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted. And he himself will not tempt anyone. So this hopefully will help clarify for some of you. When you're tempted, it's either the enemy or it's coming from your own lust. It's not God. God's not putting you in situations. You know, God didn't, <laughs> God didn't call us to Marietta and he goes, okay, you're going to plant a church, Phil. But listen, it's going to be hard. There's going to be a lot of things. And I'm calling you to hardship. I'm calling you to work hard. No, 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 no. You know what he called us to? He called us to build his kingdom. He called us to plant a church. Were there hardships? Absolutely. Were there temptations? Absolutely that comes with all that. But God didn't put that temptation in there. That's just the result of being alive, being human. Come on, somebody. But we have to keep clear, focused who God is, what he's doing in our life, and what the enemy is doing in your life. And it's simple. Jesus said, John 10, 10, I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. But the thief, the devil, Satan, Beelzebub, Lord of the flies, whatever you call him, Satanas, whatever you, I don't know why I put that in there, but that's how they used to say it. I grew up in a Hispanic church and when they said Satan, they didn't just say Satan, they said Satanas. You go, ay, cucuy. Because there's got to be that emphasis. Whatever you call him, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy from your life. Jesus came to give you life. If it has to do with life and abundance, it's Jesus. If it has to do with stealing, killing, and destroying, it's the enemy. Ladies and gentlemen, it's simple. It's really simple. And you and I are under the new covenant. Now let me help some of us. Because is there anyone in this room that has never been tempted? Look around. Some of you are tempted to raise your hand right now, but you know that would be a lie. All of us in this room have been tempted. All of us. But here's the good news. Temptation is not a sin. But the enemy tries to make you feel guilty just because you were tempted. Now, here's the great news about Jesus. And I just love this, and hopefully this helps you. Jesus was tempted, the Bible said. When he came to this earth, he was tempted on all points in every single way. So whenever you're tempted, you just need to know that when Jesus was on this earth, he was tempted in every single way. Any struggle that you face, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, we have a high priest who is in touch with our infirmities. He was tempted, and the great news is he overcame that temptation. Jesus never sinned. So temptation is not a sin because Jesus was, Jesus was tempted, but he never sinned. Are you following me this morning? Are you attracted? But here's what happens. Sometimes we go, oh, I'm tempted. Oh, that's already, I just messed up. No, there's going to be thoughts coming in your mind. There's going to be things happening. And that's just a part of life. The enemy is going to be whispering in your ear. But it's what you do with that temptation that causes you to sin. But you can resist temptation. And let me just remind you, God is not leading us to temptation. Now, let me say this. I want you to hear this. God is not leading us to temptation, but God allows temptation. You hear that, everybody? God doesn't lead us, but he allows it. 
Well, I don't know why he allows it. I just wish he didn't allow it. Well, then this is, you were asked God if you would be asking God to take away your free will. God loves you and you can love him because you choose to love him. He's poured out his love. God doesn't want just a bunch of robots. Come on, somebody. He doesn't want just, he wants people that love him because they want to and they desire. People ask me all the time, well, if God's so good, then why is there evil in the world? Well, why does God allow it? You know why God allows it? Because God allows people to have a free will. And some people think that everything is God. If somebody comes up and smacks them on the shoulder, oh, God, God did that. No, God didn't do that. That idiot did it. He allowed it. Of course he allowed it. But he didn't do it. And you just got to be careful when you define it. God is like, I, I hear people, you know, well, that guy cut me off and, and God, God led him to do that. No, just, just stop. People make mistakes. And evil happens because some people are evil and they choose to be evil. But you and I can be good and do what's right because we have a God. But ladies and gentlemen, we have to choose that. So don't confuse allowing temptation and leading into temptation. Does that make sense to everybody? Because you may be, and I'll just tell you this, the more you're tempted, let me just give you a little hint. The enemy's coming full throttle against you because he knows your life has a purpose. He knows you have destiny. That's why he's coming against you. But some people misinterpret that and they think that they're being, oh, I just feel so guilty I'm being tempted. Listen, I always get excited when I'm tempted because I know that the enemy's coming hard against me because on the other side of that temptation is something great. It was the same when Jesus went into the desert, he was tempted by Satan. But when he came out of the desert, the Bible says he came out full of power. And I'm just telling you, temptation is when the enemy, he's gonna offer you a cheap counterfeit of something. And on the other side of that is something so great. So don't get distracted. Don't feel guilty. Just walk away and just know that God is not leading you. Yeah, he allows it but he's not leading you. Does that help anybody today? And just know that Jesus was tempted in every way. There's not one trial, difficulty, challenge, or temptation that you're facing that Jesus cannot identify with. That's what qualifies him to be your best friend. In any struggle, any trial, your father is not leading you to temptation. And then he says this, we are to pray every day it's a daily thing. Remember, give us this day our daily bread. So this is a daily prayer when we get up. We say, and deliver us from evil. I looked at that and I said, man, that's great. I, I love that. But then I looked at the Greek word deliver. Do you know what the Greek word deliver means? The Greek word deliver actually means this, to be drawn away from something. To be drawn away. It means to be drawn to one's self to rescue. Do you know how God delivers us? According to this context, God delivers us by drawing us to himself. How today did, are you a part of this kingdom of God? You are part of the kingdom of God because the Holy Spirit drawed you. The Holy Spirit drawed you. The Bible says that we can't even come to God unless the Holy Spirit, the Father, draws us to himself. So you, guess what? As I open up my heart to God, the more I'm drawn to him, the more I'm being delivered from evil. It's a sobering thought, my church family, and I think about this all the time. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. Where would you be if you were not in the kingdom of God today? Where would you be today if you didn't know Jesus like you knew him? I could tell you for me, I wouldn't be alive. 
I wouldn't be alive today. But thank God that he drew me to himself. And part of that, it was I just came to the end of my rope. I just, at 19 years old, down on my knees saying, God, if you are not real, I'm going to take my life. And he said, Phil, take your life. Give it to me. And I said, what are you talking about, Willis? He said, take your life. Give it to me. And I'll give you back a life that you never even imagined. And that night I died. That night on my knees, I gave my life to God. And you know what he gave me back? He gave me a life of purpose. He gave me an eternal life. The Greek word is zoe, the God kind of life. That today I'm so happy and fulfilled. And I thank God. But you know what he did? He drew me to himself. And when he drew me to himself, he delivered me from evil in my life. Ooh, come on, let's give him a good round of applause. So I would encourage you today, listen, my church family, that's why it's so important when we feel God drawing us that we go and we be obedient to what he's drawing us to because when he's drawing us, he's delivering us. Man, that's a tweetable moment right there. When he's, you can tweet it, that's okay. You don't have to give me credit. Just pretend you came up with it. When he's drawing us, he's delivering us. And I've learned when I've said no to God and I've done something on my own that it doesn't turn out as well as I thought it would. And you have to allow God to draw you. Here's number two. God delivers you by drawing you to himself. Are you glad you came to church? Here's the last part. I like it too. I may come back next week too. Here's the last part. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Now, Jesus is talking about when he says this in the Greek, it's just really, really strong. It's like this. For yours is the kingdom or the King James says thine is the kingdom. It's actually a a sense of awe, a sense of majesty, a sense of worship. It's a sense of Oh, God, thine is the kingdom, thine is the power, and thine is the glory. You know, I think we need some of that back in our lives. I think we need to live with a sense of of awe in our lives with God. I don't know where you're at. So many people walk through life, and they just go through the motions. I think that that's why The Walking Dead is so, so popular, because people identify with that. They're sleepwalking through life. Every day, it's the same. Pastor Phil, it's the same routine. You get up tomorrow, and you expect tomorrow to be like today. And guess what? It was like today because you expected it to be. And although the Bible says that when we get up, we can pray, God, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give me this day my daily bread. We can pray those prayers. And we wake up tomorrow morning, there's new mercy for us, waiting for us as you wake up. And you know, but we live sometimes as we go through the motions. And I just want to encourage you, when you do that, you can really miss out on what God has for you. You can come to church and just go and live and and just come through listen through the worship and just go through the motions my church family we didn't start start passion life church so we could just become ritualistic we could have some worship we came and started passion life church because we wanted an authentic real expression of what worship would be like a passionate worship where people could come in and sense the presence of God not just walk in and go well it's just another day oh I don't like that song 
What does worship have to do with the song? Worship is about you and your heart and expressing it to God. I love music. He gave it to us to enjoy him. But listen, you don't need music to worship God. You know, we need to wake up in the morning and say, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I want to live life every single day. Excuse me when I get emotional, but I love life. See people walking every day through barrens, get their rotisserie chicken. Come on, life! I came to give you life. And he says that this is just an expression, an expression of that life, of the majesty. Do you know that tomorrow morning you could wake up and see God do something in your life that he's never done before in your life? We got to raise our expectations. We got to get our hopes up again that God can do something amazing in our life. Well, I've just been so disappointed. Well, get your hopes up. Come on, start to focus on his kingdom. You're a part of his kingdom. Get that awe back. I live that way every day. God, man, yesterday was good, but I know today you could do something better. I can meet new people. There's some days I'm walking, I find a $20 bill in the parking, in the parking lot of Albertsons. Thank you, Jesus. Just a little blessing. But you know what? If you just walk through every day, just everything's the same. My goodness, what a boring life. God help you. And then we go up to our friends and go, do you want to go to church? And they're like, no, I don't want to be like you. <laughs> Walking around and we're mad. We look constipated. Where's the bathroom? I got the joy of the Lord. No, you don't. You got to use the restroom. Get over there. <laughs> and if you live like that, don't tell them you come to our church, please. I'm playing. You know I'm playing, right? Somebody comes to me and says, I can't believe you're telling people to go to their churches. I'm just joking with you. Go to the bathroom. You're one of those people. <laughs> but we should live with an awareness of who God is. My church family, look, can, I just, can I just take a praise break? Your father created all this for us to enjoy and live and every day to wake up and thank God that the sun is there, that the beaches are here. God, that we have air. I don't know what you're facing, but we have a God that is ready and willing to meet you at the place of right where you're at. Come on, let's get excited. Let's get excited about that. And you know what? If we just go through the motions, we become religious. And we can miss out on what God has for us. Man, God's always moving. He's doing them. But I want to be doing what he's doing. I want to see people. I don't want to focus on me and my problems. I want to focus on him and his goodness and his majesty. And it's, it's just making a focus. And I believe that we should live with that. Now, hopefully this will help you because he says, for yours is the kingdom. That is, is a present tense is. My church family, his kingdom is right now. Well, his kingdom will come when we go to heaven. No, his kingdom is now. His kingdom is. He says, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. His power is present tense and future. His power is right now and it's forever. And you know what's amazing? His power never runs out. God never has to plug in himself somewhere. Hold on, humanity. I need to recharge. His power has never diminished. His power is, it's present tense and forever. And the Bible says his glory is, is. And 
I just think it's so awesome because Jesus is ending this prayer by saying, thine is the kingdom. And notice he uses kingdom twice in this. He's about kingdom. Our life should be focused on his kingdom. My life is in his kingdom. I'm in his kingdom. And let me close with these last two definitions of the word power and glory. And I believe it's going to bless you. He says, for yours is the kingdom and the power. Would you say power? Would you say it like you want some? Come on, say power. This power in the Greek means this. It's an achieving power, a being able power. And listen to this, a being capable power. So within you, and God, Jesus says, when you wake up in the morning, when you pray this prayer, thine is the kingdom, thine is the power. My church family, I believe this is part of our new covenant promise. This word power means capable. I hear a lot of people say, you know, Pastor Phil, I, I just like to do this. I'd like to do that, but I just don't think I'm capable. Can I just tell you that there's a power of God that's on the inside of you that enables you to do things. That's why Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In other words, now, does that mean for me as a white guy that the power of God's going to make me dunk a basketball? Heck no, I can't dunk a basketball. But you know what his power enables me to do? To do everything that God has called me to do. Listen, this is key. Pastor Phil, I just feel like the will of God. You know, I'm just living my life. It's tough. Well, guess what? Jesus is letting us know that this power has an enabling power to do exactly what God wants you to do. You are enabled. You're capable Listen, and going back to the Sermon on the Mount, my church family, you can forgive. Why? Because you have a power on the inside of you that is enabling. Listen, you can be the salt and the light at your work. You know why? Because you have power on the inside of you. You know what? You can be merciful. You know why? Because you have a power on the inside of you. Now listen, this is fabulous. The word power in the Greek also means this, will. W-I-L-L. Do you remember in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus said, right? We pray, thy, what? Will be done. This word power actually means will. So here's number three. So you have the will to do God's will. You know why you have the will? Because God empowers you to do his will. This is what I love about God. He doesn't just ask us to do something without empowering us to do it. He asks you to do it, and he gives you the power to do it. Today, me standing up here, I love doing what I'm doing. But you know what? I have the power on the inside to do what God has called me to do. And let me encourage you on the job and whatever you're doing in this life of Christ, you have the power and the will to do God's will. It is not impossible. It is possible. You have the will to do God's will. I think that's so amazing. That's why when you read and in the New Testament, I, think, I don't know if it's 1 John or, or it's John, but John says, this is not love that you loved God. What love is, is that God loved you first. So in other words, I can love my enemies with the love that God gives me. See, me and my flesh and just me by myself, I hate my enemies. I don't want to love them. But what if God gives me the love to love my enemies? I could say it like this. What if God wants to do something in me before he wants to do it through me? And so many times, I'm going to drop a bomb. I hope you get it. 
Many times we have problems loving others because we don't know how much God loves us. Man, I would tweet that. But when you understand you're so loved by God, for God so loved the world, loving you, man, I'm so loved. I know you're my enemy, but I'm so loved by God, I can love you. I'm so forgiven by God, I can forgive you. I have the power that God has given me to do his will. I can do it. Yes, you can. You can. God will strengthen you. He will strengthen the will that you have. And the power in the Greek also means this, miraculous power. I think that's what separates Christianity and what we believe from everything else is we serve a God who does miracles. He is miraculous. And today he still is and he still can do a miracle in your life. We sang it today. Do you believe that? And Jesus said, we're supposed to declare it. My church family, don't let anybody rob you from it. Don't let anybody rob you from, I hear people say, well, I just don't know, you know, if God does miracles, you know, well, my aunt so-and-so. Listen, this isn't about your aunt so-and-so. This is about you and what you believe. I don't know what happened to your aunt so-and-so. Well, I think she loved Jesus. She had a little picture of Jesus on her bed. Listen. Stop all of that and look in your own heart. It's about what you believe. And I believe regardless of what anybody believes that we have a God who does miracles. And you know what? I've seen it in my life and I've watched him do it. So you are responsible for what you believe and I'm responsible for what I believe. But I hear it all the time. Well, you know, uncle so-and-so. What do you know about uncle so-and-so? You don't even know if he believed in God. So stop that. It's just about you and your belief in God. Can I hear a good Amen. Yours is the power. And here we end as he says, thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. Let's talk about glory. You know, this word glory is doxa. Would you say that? Would you say that with me? Say doxa. Doxa. You may come for the first time like, man, I, he had me speaking in other tongues. No, it's just Greek. Doxa. When you think about glory, a lot of people think of something mystical, you know, um, this word actually does denote majesty, a splendor. But you know what the first definition of glory in this context is? The word glory means this, to be of the opinion, to think or suppose. Actually, in the New Testament, listen to this, listen to these words. In the New Testament, it means always a good opinion concerning one resulting in praise, honor, and glory. A good opinion of concerning one resulting in praise and glory. My church family, I believe that our praise is an expression of what we believe God to be. If you believe and you don't know God, you don't believe that he's good, you're not going to praise him. But when you understand who he is, it, there's a result of praise and worship. Now listen, this is what Jesus is saying. In this prayer, as I pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, right? Deliver us, lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil, for thine is the power and thine is the glory. This is what Jesus is saying. When I pray this prayer, I'm always supposed to think about God's good opinion that he has of me. Many people wake up in the morning, they don't know how God feels about them. And it's sad. They don't know where they are with God. 
But tomorrow when you wake up in the morning, focus on one thing, God's good opinion of you. You know what? He loved you so much, he sent his son to die on a cross for you, to forgive you. And listen, here's the great thing about God's opinion. God's opinion of you has not changed. He loves you and he cares. Now, your opinion about you has changed. And how do we get our opinion of us? What our coworkers say, what other people say, somebody wrote on their wall about us on Facebook, and we're like, ah! And you know what? Can I just have some good news? God has not changed his opinion about you because somebody tweeted about you, somebody posted an unflattering picture on you on Instagram and didn't use the right filter. Come on, somebody. God's opinion <laughs> has not changed. And here's why our praise and our, our worship has not gone to the next level, because we never know where we are with God. And Jesus is saying, when you pray, thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, that when I wake up in the morning, I'm supposed to focus on God's good opinion about me. I love that, because his opinion is unchanging. Listen, Pastor Phil, I just don't feel like I'm experiencing God's glory. I bet you, you're not focused on his glory. You know what you're focused on? Well, I'm tired. I'm just tired, right? I'm depressed. I'm depressed. And I'm not trying to make fun, but what I'm saying is, I know people who aren't tired, but they keep saying they're tired because now they're tired because they keep saying they're tired. And they live a tired life. I'm so tired, tired. I had somebody was talking the other, day, the other day and they had a vacation day. Like, hey, what'd you do all day? I did nothing. I'm tired of doing nothing. We're always tired. Even when we're not doing anything, we're still tired. But what if tomorrow you had a shift in your mind that when you woke up, you just said, God, your opinion of me is good. Your opinion, you would walk in such a confidence tomorrow at work. That's the glory. That's experience because God's glory begins to work in your life. It's his opinion of you. It's his opinion of you. I, I'm serious. I talk to people all the time, and they're always, always depressed. And listen, I just say you need to shift your thinking. You're too blessed to be depressed. And you need to start focusing on the goodness of God. And I know you sit there and you go, Pastor Phil, your life must just be amazing. No, it's not amazing. I have problems. I have temptations, right? They opened up Dunkin' Donuts, and that's a big temptation for me. But God is still good, and he has a good opinion of me. And when I wake up in the morning, and here's here's what Jesus was saying. Number four, God wants his thoughts to become your thoughts. His thoughts about you are good. You keep thinking about your sins, but the Bible says... Interesting, new covenant, right? New covenant, the Bible says that God will not remember our sins no more. In the old covenant, it says that the sins go back from the third and fourth generation. But in the new covenant, he says, I will remember your sins no more. Wow. And here we are waking up and we're thinking about our sins. And every time we talk to God about them, you're just reminding him because he's already forgotten about them. Because you are forgiven. And if you begin to live your life that way, and that's why Jesus is saying this is a daily prayer, focusing your mind. Yours is the kingdom, the power. I'm enabled. I have the power to succeed and do what God's called me to do. Thine is the power and the glory. Lord, your opinion of me is good. See, God wants us to recognize what is true by what he recognizes as true. I'll say that again. Truth is not, well, you know, I hear people, well, I think that's true, and I think that what is true is what God says is true. And when I believe in what God says is true, then I will experience truth. And I'm going to tell you, in 45 years, I've heard people say the weirdest things about all life and 
conspiracy theories. And one thing I've learned, if I just hold fast to this, my life will be good. My life will be good. And I'm just telling you this morning that this is forever. And Jesus ends with that, right? The, the prayer ends with, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Listen, forever, forever. That means forever unto all ages. And then Jesus ends with amen. You know what amen means? Truth. It actually means when you say amen, you're saying all of that, be it unto me. My church family, that prayer, 21 seconds. If you just recite it in the morning, 21 seconds of your morning, can we just stand this morning as we close and can we just say this one more time and just say it like we believe it because this is the Lord's prayer. Are you ready? Come on, let's say it loud. Ready? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Come on, if you believe that, give the Lord a good round of applause this morning. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information on Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com 